Welcome back. This is Connecting the Classics. I'm your host, Lee Along with Will Hagel, and we're here to connect two albums using tangential references, songs, Kevin Bacon style. Kevin Bacon style. We're going to discuss two albums and connect them. Weaving webs. Leah knows more than I know. Hey, you know more than I know. And I know today we're listening to J.J. Kale, Ride Me High, and we don't have a theme. Themeless episodes, sometimes we do themes. You can email us, connectingtheclassics at gmail.com and suggest a theme. And if we use it, we'll Venmo you a dollar. But we just picked some regular old albums today. And what did you pick, Lee? So I fired first, John Prine, Bruised Orange. Love the pick. Uh, I don't think we talked about John Prine. That was the main impetus. And uh, I'd really been jamming to a particular song on this album, so I thought it'd be fun to talk about it. And we were talking before we started recording, and I don't claim to pronounce things right. I have a history on the show of mispronouncing names, and I was second-guessing myself on if his name's even pronounced John Prine. I was like, is it John Prine? In, what did you think it was? <laughs> it could have been Prine. It could have been... Uh, oh, no. I, I, I thought it was Prine. Yeah, you're right. But I was like worried I was getting that wrong. But I know how to pronounce the album I chose, which is Jay-Z, The Blueprint. Which, is there a personal connection? Because, I mean, Jay-Z has a pretty huge catalog. I'm curious why this album. On the previous rendition of the podcast, we did Jay-Z, The Black Album, which, for me, that was the first song I ever uploaded to iTunes for CD. Of my age, born in 1991... The Blueprint came out in 2001, so I was 10. But this is when I kind of first was coming into consciousness of who Jay-Z really is as a music fan. But we can get into it more when we get to my connection. We'll let you kick it off with John Prine. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, great pick with the Jay-Z. A lot of great samples. But we'll talk about it a little bit more. All right, so John Prine. You know, huge name in folk country music. Almost some parallels to Bob Dylan as I was listening to his album. But uh, the song that I mentioned earlier that has just been uh, going round on my uh, music picks is That's the Way the World Goes Round. <laughs> to me, it's the clear standout and some really fun, uh, you know, turn of phrase as he does. So. Let's go ahead and launch in. Oh, I got glue on my string. <laughs> you sound like they're having a great time in the studio. Around. Yeah. see John Prine from Chicago. Ooh, give you points for that. I always assumed he was Southern. So can you pause it real quick? I know a guy. Yeah. Before we get into his singing, do you have a personal connection to this album? You know, so my only connection, no, not to this album, uh, just this song in particular, I've been listening to a lot. And then my connection to John Prine in general is I've realized as I've gotten older that my dad used to play a lot of John Prine. Mm. 
And when I've been going through his discography, I'll hear songs. I'm like, oh my God, I like some deep part of my memory. I, I remember listening to this song as like a kid. So I think a lot of that came from your dad based on what you've told me about like Bruce Springsteen, Nebraska. Yep. He likes that folksy Americana because I feel like you're definitely just knowing you as a person. You're someone who can put on music and just really like vibe out to it. Yeah. Whereas I think I more put it on and I get like a cathartic release a lot of times. Yeah. Which, you know, we both get that in different ways, but I have a hard time just feeling the vibes. But a lot of music you've introduced me has helped me feel it more. No, I think you're you're like spot on. And I think even with my dad, he likes these sort of whimsical poet type. Mm -hmm. I know I keep using the word whimsical, but it's like really playful and fun. Troubadour kind of. Yeah. And I remember reading that he said he with this album, he wanted a childlike approach Uh, for this song in particular. He felt like the world was really cynical. Um, So that was sort of the inspiration behind this song is. You know, there's the chorus, there's a half an inch of water and you think you're going to drown. Sort of that kind of idea of like, don't freak out just because something goes wrong. And this is 60s? Uh, No. So, okay. Yeah. So a little more backstory. So this is sort of in the middle of his career. Um, He, you know, gets, starts off huge. His first album, self-titled John Prine, um, is huge, really successful. He wrote the song Angel from Montgomery, which I know we've discussed on this podcast before. Had no idea that was his song. Me neither. Uh, but so he I wrote know. some pretty, you know, big like country classics. And uh, that that's 1971. This album, I think, is 1978. So it's like three or four albums into his career. And um, so I this is re- toward the end of the folk kind of movement that Bob Dylan and all those people, because like you think of new york a lot with folk too not Definitely. as much chicago well and wiki said chicago did have its own scene which is kind of what he came out mm. of um I, I wasn't familiar with a lot of the names but there must have been enough to sort of you know get get a community of people writing these kind of songs together yeah uh, but yeah so 1978's this album he's kind of burnt out but they were saying that he's like got a lot of respect in the industry he'd played saturday night live so I think he's still kind of a pillar in his own right. Oh, yeah. If you play Saturday Night Live, instant pillar status. Yep. <laughs> and if we play you on Connecting the Classics, that's a column. Undisputed. Undisputed. Play it. All right, I'll launch in. I don't want to talk too much over his lyrics because they're really fun. So we can pause if we got anything to say. Hit it. has got a lot to lose. He's a pretty nice fella. Kind of confused. Got muscles in his head. Ain't never been used. Thinks he owns half of this town Starts drinking heavy, gets a big red nose Beats his old lady with a rubber hose Then he takes her out to dinner, buys her new clothes That's the way that the world goes round That's the way that the world goes round You're up one day, the next you're down It's a half an inch of water and you think you're gonna drown That's the way that the world goes round <laughs> I'll give you also, half a point. I also read Bramblin' Jack Elliott does some background vocals on one of his tracks. Same thing with Jackson Brown. Ah. Um, Bramblin' Jack Elliott's kind of a Bob Dylan, Troubadour style folk hero. Weaving webs already. I got to check him out. Nice. We'll All right, put it on the extended favorite. playlist. This verse is so good. Stuck in the ice, 
without my clothes, naked as the eyes of a clown. I was crying ice cubes, hoping I'd croak when the sun come through the window. The ice all broke, I stood up and laughed, thought it was a joke, that's the way that the world goes round. That's the way that the world goes round, we are one day, the next to die. So the other... Uh, the, the story I wanted to tell was in one of his live versions, he talks about uh, a fan comes up to him and is like, oh, I love your song about the happy enchilada. And he's like, I, I'm sorry. I think you have me confused with someone else. And like, I've never written a song about an enchilada. And they're like, no, no, it's the happy enchilada. And you think you're going to drown. <laughs> and he's like, uh, I'm glad you like the words. That was pretty genius. Oh, he just yeah. rolled with it? Yeah. That's great. He's just like, hey, that's the way the world goes around. Some people think you're saying happy enchilada. <laughs> I remember seeing a whole book of those like when I was a kid. Like, with, yeah. excuse me while I kiss the sky. Excuse me yeah. while I kiss this guy. And there's a bunch of like lyrics that were misinterpreted before lyrics were easily accessible like they are now what is that called I've, i feel like i've looked this up a million times i think it's something uh, with green in it green mean green misinterpreting uh i don't know i'm gonna give you uh minus five for okay. not knowing it well the internet will know it yeah write us in mond green boom mond green Mond Green. That would be a good name for a band. Oh, man, I bet it's been done. Mond Green. Yeah. Gotta be. And then all of your lyrics are like almost, <laughs> yeah. uh, or like could be one you thing or the them. other. Yeah. You just switch them subtly <laughs> yeah. on each uh, <laughs> chorus. Or when you do it live. Yep. Yeah. So, John Prine, just quick thoughts. I really enjoyed the album. It was very short. I actually it put it on for a ride. It was like under 20 minutes, maybe even. Yeah, a lot of quick, quick hitters. I put it on in the car and I was going for a, maybe a 20 minute drive and I feel like it looped once and started back at the beginning, but it also looped well and that it's like the songs kind of sound the same a little bit, yeah. but it also switches up enough and it's like more than a lot of folk artists, he's kind of got that like, that's the way, I guess it is yeah. country-ish. Yeah. It's like a weird crossover between country and folk. There was a review that was like, some songs veer uncomfortably close to Jimmy Buffett's style. Oh, I could totally see that. But generally stay on track. And I was like, valid. <laughs> I wasn't even thinking that, but I'll give whoever wrote that five points for weaving yeah. that web. because He it's... gets a little close to that pop country like Jimmy Buffett. Yeah. But it's fun. I think he's, his songs are smarter than Jimmy Buffett's. So that's why his yeah, for sure. quality. And it's definitely a mood setting and vibe setting album, like I said. Mm-hmm. All right, going to Jay-Z. Do you have any personal connection to uh, Jay-Z and specifically the Blueprint? No, other than for me, Jay-Z's best song is Dead Presidents and everything fails in comparison. Okay. I maybe wouldn't argue with that. But basically, I picked this album just because I've been thinking a lot about Jay-Z recently for some reason. Yeah. I don't really know why. Whereas like, you know, obviously it was Tupac and Biggie for a while were like the biggest rappers. And then Jay-Z, even on this album, he says something like, if, I don't know if anyone's better than Big, but I'm the closest or something like that. 
and obviously he's like associated with Biggie, New York. And then it was like Jay-Z and Nas of a certain era. And like, I feel like the media really played that up in a lot of ways, obviously. But the blueprint came out on September 11th, 2001. Just like Leftover Crack, a band we've talked about, their album Mediocre Generica. And the reason I, or the way I found out about that was Leftover Crack's second album, Fuck World Trade, starts with like an intro saying like, we're the people who brought you the Tower Toppling Mediocre Generica. And then I remember looking up albums that came out because it was a Tuesday. Yeah. When albums used to come out on Tuesdays. And then Fuck World Trade obviously had the Twin Towers burning on the cover with George Bush and Dick Cheney pouring gas on it. But long story short, I remember arguing with people at a Leftover Crack concert in Champaign, Illinois about who's better, Jay-Z or Nas, because I feel like that was a big argument back in the day. And then uh, we don't even need to get into their whole beef, but the takeover on this album kind of goes at Nas, and then Nas put out Stillmatic a couple months later, and it has Ether on it, which we've played on the podcast before. But anyways, we can talk more about it. I also... I picked my song because I've realized playing rap music on this show is kind of hard because it's so focused on the lyrics and it's hard to talk over it. But I uh, picked the undeniable hit just so that we could hear it. H to the Izzo. Yes. V to the Izay. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the eighth wonder of the world. The flow of the century, oh, it's timeless. Produced by Kanye West, which is another reason this album is interesting because before this, Jay-Z, was, he had beats from like DJ Premier, Timbaland, Swizz Beats. I don't know if Swizz Beats was before Kanye, but I might be wrong about that. Uh, but like Kanye shows up, I think for the first time on this album, he might've had one track on a previous album. And I feel like, Kanye's production and Jay-Z's also like talking about selling drugs, flashy money came to dominate like at least the next decade, really next couple decades of hip hop and pop music in general, like the flashy era. So I kind of feel like this is a turning point in a weird sense. I don't know if you feel that. Yeah, I like that. Especially given 2001. Yeah. Thanks for coming out tonight. You could have been anywhere in the world, but you're here with me. I appreciate that. Uh. H to the Izzo, V to the Izay. For shizzle, my nizzle used to dribble down in VA. Was hurting them in the home of the turpins. Got it dirt cheap for them. Plus, if they were short with cheese, I would work with them. Born in we got rid of that dirt for them. Wasn't born hustlers, I was birthing them. H to the Izzo, V to the Izay. For cheesy, my easy, keep my arms so breezy. Can't leave rap alone, the, the game needs me. Haters want me clap, they chrome, it ain't easy. Cops wanna knock me, DA wanna box me in. Can I say but something real quick? I beat them charges like Rocky. I know we do this almost every episode, but I do see a lot of parallels between John Prine and his respective <laughs> genre and Jay-Z. Ooh, what are the similarities? Well, so, you know, Jay-Z comes out. What's His first album is, uh, whatever the name of it. That's the one with Dead Presidents on it, though. Um, yeah, uh, Reasonable Doubt. Reasonable, but yeah, thank you. Which, to me, is like uh, a classic album, or at least a classic sound that people tried to emulate for years. Then, you know, 
he continues to put out albums that each all have like at least one or two big hits on it. And he starts to be one of the premier people, maybe not the biggest name, but definitely up there in someone's top. I think he was the biggest name, which I think is hard for people nowadays to reconcile because he's aged into like a different person and maybe fallen off from being a, like a top rapper. You think in 97, like he's the biggest name? By 2001, I think for sure. Like when this is out. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. And we just did a brief break for uh, John Cage. <laughs> <laughs> the John Cage song. H to the Izzo, B to the Izzo. Not guilty. He who does not feel me is not real to me. Sound Therefore, the gavel, not guilty. So poof, bad move, son of a bitch. H to the Izzo, B to the Izzo. I also love that. Not real to me, therefore he doesn't exist. Also, I just feel like this song in particular, everyone knew this song, you know? Yeah, that's true. For a radio hit. Yeah, like, as we know from Instagram, all of our fans are like ACDC and uh, Black Sabbath fans, so... We'll, we'll give them what they want out of Jay-Z. Also, just like the business side of Jay-Z, obviously on his later album, he says, you know, I'm not a businessman, I'm a businessman. And like, <laughs> but on this, like, Dame Dash was kind of behind the scenes with him until obviously like then he founded Rockefeller and kind of became a music exec in his own right and it's just interesting too like how kanye was behind so many of these hits but no one knew who he was and he just had this insane confidence that he was as good as the people he was making beats for but this beat style really revolutionized everything oh yeah I feel like with Kanye's early beats, it's like he's chopping up, you know, in the way that Premier or whoever in the 90s were chopping beats, but his drums were not that boom bap. Yeah. And I think just like maybe the range of what he was sampling from too and then obviously like the sped up chipmunk stuff that we've talked about and like yeah really samples. poppy instead of like uh dark dark jazzy samples. yeah exactly then this album also has like renegade with eminem which i think you've played on the podcast before classic example of a artist outshining on the feature yeah and anyways in that argument at the leftover crack show i remember one of my friends was like really into nas and was just talking about how nas is way deeper 
And I feel like that was always a thing where it's like Jay-Z was more the shiny pop star, whereas Nas is like a real lyricist and more of a holdover from that style of beats too at this time. Yeah. Like the jazz inspired production. But I don't know. I kind of feel like as I've, I've never been a huge Jay-Z fan. And as I've gotten older, I think I like him less. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're right though. No, I'm thinking more about it. I think Eminem is really the only person you could maybe argue because Slim Shady LP or yeah, LP is 97, something like that. And then Marshall Mathers LP, obviously. You're making me want to go on a run. He's the only person who what outshined someone on a verse. Who, no, who might be bigger than Jay-Z was. But Oh, at the time? At the time. But I still think you're right. I think Jay-Z is the biggest rapper of the early 2000s. And also Eminem could almost be lumped in in retrospect and even at the time with like Drag. some of the like rock bands even or like he was touring with Limp Biscuit, I remember. And Dre, like think of Dre too. I mean, it's, well, Dre, it's, yeah. it's muddier too when you think of like 2001 Eminem wrote a lot of that and I feel like that's where he got a lot of his uh, you know props Jay-Z I feel like I have like memories of being a kid and like a Jay-Z's song comes on and people like rapping it word for word while like miming out stuff yeah and like he just I don't know something about him I feel like it hit on the lyrical level and also the body level <laughs> like we talked about head music versus body music yeah because well, of the I, production choices and how clean everything was and exactly poppy. when you sent me the album i was like is this the one that has hard knock life on it no it's not um uh, but no that's what i was like wondering because like that song was so big i remember when yeah. it came out yeah with the annie music video exactly he just had that way that to me is the perfect of what you're talking about yeah for sure passing it back though all right, passing it. Uh, we were talking about John Prine. And, okay, so, you know, the other song I've been listening to a lot of his um, wasn't on this album, but it's a, it's a whole album of duets, which is great. People should check it out. But he does this one song with uh, a folk singer of the time, Iris De Dement, I think, or De Demen, if it's French. And so I was checking out her career for a connection didn't know the name, was curious if she was just like a one-off, but uh, was surprisingly you know, somewhat famous in her day. She had a song featured on Northern Exposure. Do you remember that TV show? Uh, No, it sounds Canadian. Yeah, it was, I think, in Alaska. I think it was big in the early 2000s, like late 1990s. Anyways, was reading about, she got, uh, she had this song called Wasteland of the Free mm. that got in a lot of trouble. So I'm going to go ahead and launch into it. It reminded me a lot of that Oliver Anthony song. Oh. But maybe potentially the left oh. side spin to it. Um, so this is Iris DeMint, collaborator with John Bryan. Wasteland of the Free. Living in the wasteland of the Mines. 
and eating fudge on welfare. <laughs> also, the other thing I was thinking was funny was <laughs> the tone of this to me was like, clearly the political world we live in right now was definitely set up by the 90s. We're just living in a deeper iteration of it. But just the sort of us versus them vibe of this song and like the way that it's like, I think she calls out, she says, and they say they are Christ's disciples, um, kind of already going after sort of the right, you know, religious Christian wing. Yeah. Don't you think that's a human nature thing though? And it's been around forever. And it's just even like in the early days of America, it was two parties. I know there were more parties, but fighting against each other. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I guess to me, it's, I, I guess there's the whole idea of a new green Gingrich and like identity politics. And I don't know. It seems like the framework of what we're living in now was kind of set up in the late eighties, early nineties, but it I could be it. From forever. I just think back to like Eisenhower in the fifties. Like it's not nearly as divisive of a figure. I don't know. Everyone. I'm going to pronounce, I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, correct your pronunciation here. I think it's divisive. Okay. It might be divisive. No, it could be divisive. I think it's a, we're divided on that. Um, I want to say too, real quick, it's obvious, but the nineties obviously where the Soviet union fell and the U S was booming economy. So I feel like maybe this is just off the top of my head, but maybe before that, like the U S always had a common enemy that they were rallying behind and then we didn't have anything. So we got more divisive. And then George Bush came in and uh, orchestrated 9-11 so that we could invade three random countries and get that unity back. I don't actually think that, but we'll be talking conspiracy theories later. Yeah, I mean, you could be right. I definitely think it ebbs and flows, but just listen to, so this is 97, so just listen to kind of some of the things she's uh, ranting about. Feels like it could be today. she was gonna say they don't look like jay-z to me <laughs> she's also got that twang as uh yeah john prine we got politicians running braces on corporate cash now don't tell me they don't turn around kissing people's ass you may call me That's what I'm talking about right there. Now fight like hell against raising the minimum wage. If you don't like it, mister, they'll ship your job to some third world country across the sea. I definitely think this kind of music is missing a lot in popular music today, whereas which is why people gravitate towards like Oliver Anthony. Yeah. Well, so the other thing that was really interesting is I was reading there was a college radio, or I guess it was a community radio station in Florida where they played this song and a state senator heard it on the radio and he was so upset that he made sure that they pulled their funding Wow, from the radio station. Damn. 
Uh, but all the listeners were so mad they did an emergency like fun drive and raised more than the nice cut budget. The people. And so the son of a bitch was like, "All right, well, hopefully you could do this every year." <laughs> but then people were so mad that they reinstated the funding at uh, three quarters of the original amount. Damn, got their ass. This country fucking sucks. Because <laughs> <laughs> the politicians control the radio, and they control yep. the Spotify streams, the corporations. And that's why we're bringing you underground radio on Connecting the Classics. Who cannot pass a sixth grade written test? But if you ask them, they can tell you the name of every crotch on this TV. Feel right, boy, living in the wasteland of We kill for oil, then we throw a party when we. So I feel like you have some like American nationalism in you or like patriotism in a way of like, do you believe in good American values? Like you believe in America. Yeah, I, I think you're totally right. I've definitely been having a lot of nostalgia for this idea of like people just doing what's right for each other. Cause we just, we've gotten so far away from that. Right. And even but. that line where she's like, I, I didn't hear what she said, but it was something like, he's doing something, something, and that's pretty damn American to me. Like, there is something about, like, an American sensibility that was, like, you know, like, the melting, even if it's a, a myth or a lie that's sold to us, there is something in the idealism of it that is, if you live here, it's, like, ingrained in you. It yeah. also has some good ideas. Definitely. I think the idea... The American experiment, as they call it, you know, that you form these communities with people with such different backgrounds, but you had this commonality that you wanted the best for each other and you wanted people to be able to live the life they wanted to live as long as it wasn't like interfering with your way. Yeah. Although people will argue in the comments section of this podcast saying, and I would agree with them and, you know, just go listen to leftover crack if you want some lyrics about that but you know obviously america is also founded by like kicking out native americans and enslaving people to run the economy also valid Um, and like yeah so the people that founded it weren't necessarily but there is something in the ideas if they're applied to also a more progressive like view of it in my mind in my opinion at least yeah no I, i think that's valid in the lens of like western civilization or society colonialism was sort of this phenomena that was happening all over the globe as sort of a result of ships and guns and maps and all that so and america's weird because it was like the colonists who were like well actually we live here now and fuck you but it wasn't (laughs) like people that lived there already like other places that were invaded you know what i mean yeah well 
I mean, I, I might get canceled for this take. India, this for could example. be ignorant, but I do think there was some amount of like they were just scared. The, a lot of the original settlers. Mm-hmm. I definitely think like the conquistadors and the explorers and stuff were pretty messed up and just sort of taking advantage of the native people when they could. Um, but I think those, you know, some of the Mayflower people were probably just terrified that if they didn't kill, they would be killed. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's the two-party system you're talking about the 90s like it's yeah. been going on forever and that one group comes across another group and yeah they fight or they get along um but obviously there's like a whole lot more that goes into it that we're not going to solve on the jay-z john prine episode <laughs> <laughs> but there's something to what you're saying and i'm just thinking like out loud of like you know the indigenous cultures and the western way of life were sort of uh incompatible yeah and so it was really hard to get mass adoption of either side in a really like graceful way that i think created the conflict and then america sells us the idea of thanksgiving and that (laughs) the colonists and the native americans shook hands and ate a big turkey which may have been true but there is even something to that myth like i've like i guess that's what i'm getting at is that a lot of the american myths have some positive stuff behind them that I think it's almost like the opposite or you not the opposite, but I mean, if America's rampant capitalism where it's like the Soviet Union, a lot of ideas they have are great. It's just when a country goes on with people in power, it doesn't necessarily like the ideals aren't the reality. Yeah. And I think at a certain point you can't just sit there and like, you have to have some unity, right? I think Thanksgiving feels like some amount of like, this country is established. Now let's create, I don't know, these traditions that we can all rally around. That's true too. It's like Singapore just invented like a bunch of traditions when they became a country that are now in place. Yeah, exactly. Or like myths. Everyone does it. And I I was going to say though, another like American thing is protest music. I've seen some articles about the Oliver Anthony thing detailing some history of more right-leaning or right-wing protest songs from throughout history. Uh I think at least since the 90s, it has been more the left making protest songs than the right. And now maybe it's a little more the right making them, although both sides do. Yeah. But just in general, that's like an American value. If we're talking about American values that I think are positive, like the ability to speak out against the government and free yeah. speech and that's yeah. the lyric you were talking about she says but he's standing up for what he believes in and that's pretty that seems pretty damn american to me exactly so stuff like that where it's like there are american values that i feel like people now even the idea of american values is almost politicized in the sense where like you know you're either right american values or left american values which the right will say aren't American at all or something or like I don't know even liberals espouse like Biden liberal more central center right type thing on the wide political spectrum will espouse like a different form of America but there is something at the core of America yeah well so here's what I you know I'll say is that I think the the issues that each like side makes people focus on purposely feel like they are at odds with the other side yeah and i feel like that's a very new gingrich style i believe it he's fucking seems like a snake just like yeah 
puppet master style get people to fight against their both like common interests yeah you know i wrote in newt gingrich's limo once oh really because <laughs> my friend was neighbor with neighbors with uh jimmy john the guy that runs the, the sandwich shop he lived Wait, in champagne really yeah <laughs> and uh he was throwing some like a uh, fundraiser for some illinois republican i forget his name dennis something yeah who knows but anyways newt gingrich was there and we rode around in his limo and picked up two girls in middle school and then went to the park oh my god so i'm embedded in the right wing <laughs> that's amazing I might edit this out because I might be wrong that it was Newt Gingrich, but in my mind, it's always been Newt Gingrich. That's great. It should stay that way. Yeah. <laughs> Don't fact check me. Uh, anyways, you pass it back. Yeah, I'll pass it back. All right. So we left off with Jay-Z, talking Jay-Z and Nas. Uh, the reason I even have been thinking about Jay-Z lately is because I was in the car and I heard a Nicki Minaj song on the radio and I texted our group chat. Nicki Minaj is better than Jay-Z, which was just a thought that had I came to me. It's kind of a hot take that I don't know if I stand by it now, but I heard a lot of similarities between the two artists. And from looking it up, there's actually a conspiracy theory that Jay-Z is or Nicki Minaj is just Jay-Z sped up, which I think is hilarious, especially weaving webs, Kanye speeding things up. Yeah. Uh, but let's hear him back to back on a song Kanye produced on his album. I cut out Kanye's verse because we don't need to talk about Kanye because we want to silence <laughs> my side of the podcast wants to uh, silence um, voices we don't agree with. But let's get into wait, my... wait, 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 <laughs> no, wait, <I'm> wait. <laughs> I mean, Kanye has said a lot of anti-Semitic stuff and also just general bad stuff that he. I don't agree with to the and right wing provocateur in a lot of ways that I do feel like his music feels kind of like Michael Jackson's now where it's like, I'm not going to stop playing it. Yeah. But it feels a little weird. I think that's accurate. Yeah. Godzilla, King Kong, Loch Ness, Goblin, Ghoul, a zombie with no conscience. Question, what do these things all have in common? Everybody knows I'm a motherfucking monster. Conquer. Terrible verse. Wait. Sorry, I keep pausing it real quick. Do you remember where you were when you first heard this album? I remember I was in college my sophomore year. Yeah. Watching, I think it was the VMAs or wherever Kanye debuted Runaway. And that was like, and I think he did. Fuck, am I mixing up my memories again? Because I'm thinking of Love Lockdown. Was Runaway on 808s and Heartbreaks? No, no, Runaway, the single piano note. Yeah, that's on this album? Yeah, yeah. So I remember that, and then I remember the album coming out. But I don't remember exactly where I was when I heard Monster. Where were you? I was actually, I think, on my way to South by Southwest. I just remember people being like, oh, this is an album you got to like sit down and listen to. Like, uh huh. Everyone was so excited that it was like the full concept album. And this is 2010, I think. Yeah. Nine years after. So this is nine years after Kanye was an unknown producer making beats for Jay-Z, making hits. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, Jay-Z's verse, I remember just thinking it was terrible. 
crime scene. I still hear things scream in my dreams. Murder, murder in black convertibles. I kill a block, I murder the avenues. Rape and pillage of village women, women and, and children. children. Rape and village of pillage women and children talking about American values. Everybody want to know what my Achilles heel is. Love, Love. I'm, I'm getting, getting enough, enough of it. it. All I get is these vampires, vampires and bloodsuckers. Blood All I see is these... Also, I know every word, even though I hate it. Niggas, I made millionaires milling about, spilling their feelings in the air. All I see is these fake fucks with no fangs, trying to draw blood from my ice cold fangs. I smell a massacre. Seems to be the only way to back you back. Gossip, gossip, nigga, just stop it. Everybody know I'm a motherfucking monster. I'm gonna need to see your fucking hands at the But yeah, this, I think... Nicki Minaj outshines everyone on this song, which is another example like Eminem on Renegade. Do you think she wrote her lyrics? I don't know. Does she not write lyrics? Pull up in a monster automobile gangster with a bad bitch that came from Sri Lanka. Yeah, I'm in a tanga, color a Willy Wonka. You could be the king, but watch the queen conquer. Before she goes in, I'm going to say I know a lot of rappers don't write their own verses, and I feel like that's come to light more now or it's like even Kanye it's like he a lot of times raps to the level of people who are on his song which makes me think that they're just giving him lines yeah or I like think... he always has a team around him either Definitely. suggesting stuff and like right because he's a producer first and foremost and it's like I don't I I just kind of assume everyone right every rapper writes their own lyrics unless I hear otherwise first things first I eat your brain then I'm gonna start Like Eminem's doing voices. but I feel like this is when Nicki Minaj was really before she like really became ex huge as she is now well remember she came out and she was really like in that uh, Young Money right yeah yeah yeah. And... yeah yeah I almost forgot about that because she's become just a pop star I also forgot Boney Bear is on this song I cut him off <laughs> and Rick Ross has a great first verse yeah I was gonna say Rick Ross's verse is great yeah Kanye's verse is worse than Jay-Z's somehow uh, but anyways, I feel like there's a lot of similarities between Nicki Minaj and Jay-Z, both from New York, both pop crossover appeal that some people might think are overrated. But at the end of the day, they got a lot of talent. Yeah. I mean, like you're saying, to have a career so like long, is it's hard to do. Yeah. And evolved a lot too. Like, I feel like Jay-Z did evolve to a certain extent. And especially with his more recent work, like when he's in his 40s, 50s, however old he is, 
like he's made a lot of albums that are critically acclaimed at least he's had some missteps but and then Nicki Minaj like I was just curious about what some of her top songs are on Spotify so I was listening to them and she has like songs where she's singing like she has a wide range and her fan base is very passionate so don't say anything bad about her yeah and think of like uh what was it stars or starships yeah it's like an EDM song and yeah right. I mean she's done it all all right pass it back all right uh we left off talking about iris dement wasteland of the free so you know her song caused a community radio station in florida to lose their funding it was actually mentioned that one other song by an artist named earl robert Keane was also named in the uh attempt by the republican senator to pull their funding um so Robert Keen, Earl Robert Keen, uh, wanted to play this song because he talks about a st- steaming, greasy plate of enchiladas. So we're back to enchiladas here. <laughs> yes. Uh, are enchiladas an American thing? I mean, they're they're obviously Tex-Mex, but are they like, you know, a bastardization of whatever the original like Mexican dish was? I have no idea. I thought they were just Mexican. They might be. I have no idea. Um, but definitely think of Tex-Mex when I think of like enchiladas, um, launching in, cause this is the Americana episode. I'm just doing all Americana songs. Hold on. <laughs> it wouldn't be, <laughs> it wouldn't be an episode without the gavel for your, um, enchiladas are from Texas, but they might be pass it back. No, no. All I'm saying is I'm wondering if they're like our version of enchiladas is like so far removed from the original like Mexican dish. The way, yeah. you know, pizza is Italian is like from Italy, but it's like American pizza is definitely a different thing. And music evolves, you know, so that's why I'm wondering if like enchiladas music. with like tons of cheese and whatever is like different than I'm sure it's like the American style taco with lettuce and cheese. And I don't know. Beef. Listeners let us know if you do, if you're passionate about, um, Puerto Rican food. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to delete this whole episode, I think. <laughs> All right. Okay. Launching in. Robert Earl Keane. This is Old Front Porch. Doesn't get more American than a front porch. So, listeners, for the record, Will did an episode where he did all emo songs from the Midwest. And this is my my version. Of Jimmy Buffett country music. <laughs> Jimmy Buffett. This old porch just a big old red and white Herbert Bulls standing under a mesquite tree. Now a dose of Texas, he just keeps on playing hide and seek with that hot August sun. He's sweating and a pen, cause work is never done. Oh no. He's got them cows and that red top cane. This old porch is just a steaming, greasy plate of enchiladas with lots of cheese and onions and a guacamole salad. You can get them at the LaSalle Hotel in old downtown with iced tea and a waitress who will So this song was actually co-written with uh, Lyle Lovett, another name kind of like John Prine that's like floated around forever. Love but Lyle Lovett. Uh, 
huge staple country music. Saw Lyle Lovett once in Copenhagen. He was there for the Copenhagen Jazz Fest. Nice. He was in the hotel. Said hi. So he's from Houston, just like uh, Robert Earl Keen. Or Earl Robert Keen. Earl Robert Keen is... He needs to change up his vocal register. It's like one note. Uh, you can get enchiladas in uh, the La Salle Hotel. Is that a mandolin, though? Sounds like it. This old porch is just a weathered gray head, 70 years of Texas. He's doing all he can not to give in to the city And he always takes a rent late so long as I run his cattle He picks me up at dinner time I listen to him rattle He says the prizes still runs muddy like she's run all along There ain't never been no cane to grind The cotton's all but gone And you know this Chevrolet pickup truck She was something back in 60 Now there ain't nobody listen to him Cause they all think it's crazy This old porch just a long time Waiting and forgetting And remembering the coming back Not crying about the leaving And remembering the falling down And the laughter of the curse of luck From all those sons of bitches Who said we never get back up Sons of bitches You said son of bitch earlier We've been yep. So I was reading Lyle Lovett oh, Mandolin solo, mandolin solo this old porch right, just a ahead. big old red white Herford bull. So I was reading that Lyle Lovett uh, was on his uncle's farm and got pinned to a fence by a bull. Jeez. So it sounds like he's for real. Lyle Lovett. Talking about these Herford bulls. I Lyle love that story. <laughs> oh, no. All right, I'll pass it back. All right. My grandma requested Lyle Lovett, If I Had a Boat, to be played at her funeral. Yeah. And so that song is always very emotional to me. And uh, I love Lyle Lovett for that, just putting that on the record. All right, give me five points for Lyle Lovett. I'll give you five points. I'll, okay. give, you, I'll give you six. And then minus five for... Uh, <laughs> for everything Earl else you said Keen. on the pod. Yeah. <laughs> But I did also, while we were listening to that, I realized you moved to rural New England. Uh-huh. So your Americana nostalgia makes sense. Yeah, totally. But we... You going to say something? I was just going to say you could piece that together with growing up in Montana, which I think I feel bitter about like being overrun by like rich people. Right. And as uh, uh, Jay-Z, I'd say, offshoot would say... Montana. I don't know. French Montana. I feel like, <laughs> yeah, I think he's from Morocco, but he definitely was probably inspired by Jay-Z. Yeah. But we left off with monster and who's a band who has a monster aesthetic who wrote the monster mash, the misfits. Would you say they're kind of a cult band? Yeah, definitely. So this is Jeffrey Williams. We're getting into the folk here, but this is actually considered anti-folk. So I was reading up. I didn't know much about anti-folk, but I really like it. 
it kind of came to prominence in the 80s, especially in New York. There was a cafe, I think, called Sidewalk Cafe that had like anti-folk festivals and they would gather around because like Greenwich Village, obviously in the 60s, 70s was all folk music, which is more like earnest and everything, which John Prine, they were kind of a reaction against that and subverted it a little bit by being jokier and people like Regina Spector. I was actually listening to a lot of Regina Spector today walking around. She's like lumped in with anti-folk. Okay. Um, we might have to talk about her more on a future episode, but let's launch into Jeffrey Lewis. I think I called him Jeffrey Williams at the beginning. Jeffrey Lewis, cult boyfriend. The misfits are cult rock and roll, worshipped by a few but ignored on the whole. Meet the Feebles is a film cult classic. It's basically unknown, but some say it's fantastic. Most women that I meet seem totally unfazed. Till sometimes there's somebody who seems totally amazed. I might not be in magazines as a heartthrob face, but in a few devoted hearts I found a strong fan base. I'm a cult boyfriend, not a mainstream show. I'm lonely or I'm worshipped by a lady in the know. When you're a cult boyfriend, life is always intense. They love me or they hate me, no one's on the fence. Cerebus is a cult comic book series It's got fans, but it's never found in movies or in theories WFMU is a cult radio station Always tuned to by a few devoted fans around the nation For every time Wow, can I just say this is a lot like that This is a lot like that Earl Robert Keane The way he's kind of singing Yeah, definitely he's, he's more conscious of what he's doing Than I think Earl Robert Keane is, but yeah, well, it's also kind of that '90s like slacker. There's, I can't think of any other bands, but this is it kind of a Moldy Peaches Wiki, which they're the ones who had that uh, song that was on Juno. Yeah, we'll be weaving that web in a okay. bit. For every time I couldn't get a second date or even first, why does one think I'm the best when all the rest think I'm the worst? All of those times, no one at all wanted to know. If I'm really all that awesome, wouldn't more people think so? I guess cult boyfriend is the term for me. It's always been quality, not quantity. A cult boyfriend's like a record in a bargain bin. No one knows it's worth to look away. Wow, came up in, in Austin. Talking Texas. Talking oh, Texas. Guitar, some cult literary names I can honor. Maybe J.G. Ballard or Flannery O'Connor. Haggis and Fugu, that's like food for cult eaters. Jim Jones, Charles Manson, Father Yod, they're cult leaders. Anyway, the point being, do I have to be magical? Can't we date a few months, then move on normal and casual? But I feel like this too crosses with like Jay-Z and John Prine in kind of like that Americana thing too, where he's poking fun at it a little bit, but also doing it earnestly in his own way and trying to make like a funny song but you know just like talking over music in a rhymed form yeah it it's a long tradition but i thought this song was funny yeah suicidally alone and then totally smothered it's so much pressure when you go from one extreme to the other i guess cult boyfriend is the term for me it's always been quality not quantity a cult boyfriend's like a record in a bargain bin no one knows it's worth till a collector comes in I'm a cult boyfriend, not a mainstream show I'm lonely or I'm worshipped by a lady in the know When you're a cult boyfriend, life is always intense They're in love or they're indifferent, no one's on the fence So a lot of 
Jeffrey Lewis's other stuff is more subdued and he sings in like kind of a wider range of voices and like he's got an album called this song probably ain't gonna go very far beyond an open mic it's guaranteed though two or three people are really gonna like like that ending (laughs) yeah uh uh he's got an album from 2001 called the last time I did acid I went insane uh huh and (laughs) he's got like a ton of albums 2003 is it what this one was from oh no it's not but this is another album i was listening to earlier called it's the one who's the ones who's cracked the light that the light shines through talking about jay-z selling crack leftover crack jeffrey lewis clack crack (laughs) Ah. (laughs) and that album has a song called i saw a hippie girl on eighth ave talking about new york where jeffrey lewis is also from just like Nicki minaj and jay-z and we're just weaving webs over here. I feel like you didn't like that song as much as I hoped. No, that was fun. All right. Well, we're going on a run because you already mentioned the moldy peaches. So obvious connection here. Anti-folk. Uh, this is Who's Got the Crack? Do you know this song? I don't know it. So I realized the movie Juno came out in 2007. So that was six years after the blueprint. Kimia Dawson and the Multi Peaches blew up because of that song. Anyone else but you. Up, right, left, down, start. Blah, blah, blah. And Juno was like a cult movie, but it was bigger than a cult movie. It was, I guess, mainstream. And yeah, it became really popular. But I actually had downloaded this album and got pretty into it because I was listening back to it and I know most of the songs and I definitely remember liking this song. Wait a second. Are you doing all albums that are released on September 11th? Yeah. Hey, doing Googling? <laughs> you need to be present on the podcast, but yes, blowing my another connection. Blowing another connection of mine. This Amazing. album was also released on September 11th, 2001. I'll give you 2001 points. That's incredible. Thank you. But so anyways, I went back and got into this album after Juno came out. And uh, it's Adam Green, I think. It's Adam something and Kimia Dawson, who uh, they met in New York at a record store called Exile on Main Street in uh, Westchester, New York, or something like that. And that happens to be the name of a record store in Champaign, Illinois, Five Points, where I was at the Leftover Crack show talking about Jay-Z versus Nas at the same venue, the IMC, which was in an old post office where I also saw Kimia Dawson perform and she made everyone sit down, which was very unusual for a punk show. Yeah. But she was great. She had like a quick rise to fame and then fell off, but this still holds up. Basically, folk punk, but slower is anti-folk. There's no such thing as a harmless joke. And singing in a weird, weird voice. There's no such thing. It's like purposely singing back. As a gentle toke. Like coffee. There's no such thing as Panama Jack. Who's got the crack?
the crack. Mike Knight too, which is like Jeffrey Lewis, like the whole time. Like, really? Yeah, open mic. tell if you were adding vocals there for a second (laughs) well that's what (laughs) i was actually playing this earlier and anna was like is that you (laughs) (laughs) on uh the anything but you song because it's like just a guy talking yeah like a monotone voice but so i feel like this whole anti-folk and at the end there the contrast between like the high-pitched singing and the screaming is great yeah but i feel like this whole genre i didn't know much about it even though i know some of the artists but it's very interesting because they just go with like absurdist kind of lyrics that uh, are also obviously kind of parodying, but also in the same tradition of someone like John Prine and uh-huh. like real folk music. So yeah. interesting genre. Yeah, I love that. Didn't know the term anti-folk. And then obvious points for the September 11th. Yep. There's probably a, a list of albums that were all on that day because there was there is I was looking slated, it up. Yeah. slated for months ahead, right? And then it's like, oh crap. Yeah. Um, other fun fact for anyone who's a fan of the Dune novel series, uh, Frank Herbert had a home in Port Townsend, which is where uh, the Moldy Peaches are from. Wow. Give you a million. I'll give you a million. Bob Dylan, Love and Theft came out on September. 11th 2001 wow also ben folds rock in the suburbs which i like that album i'm gonna do that for a pick it might be contentious pass back all right got a couple more connections here we were talking about earl robert Keane, who uh we listened to old front porch but he actually had a, another song that was quite famous that uh, ended up being covered by a super group 
that you know we did a supergroup episode in the past maybe we need to do another one because we forgot to talk about this band the highwaymen are you familiar with the highwaymen no so it's basically johnny cash willie nelson chris christopherson and Waylon Jennings. Speaking of Eminem, I've heard of, have you heard of Chris Christopherson? I am piss pissed offerson. <laughs> that was like Eminem's equivalent of his Jay-Z's verse on Monster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the Highwaymen, uh, they're kind of like all in their twilight. Well, I guess Willie continued to go, but a lot of them are kind of on the back end of their careers. They formed a super group, did a lot of covers, but you know, when you got a lineup like that, what's more American than Johnny Cash, <laughs> Willie Nelson? Chris uh, maybe diversity. <laughs> so jumping into a fun little song called Live Forever. This is the first day of my life. <laughs> now. I'm gonna live forever. I'm gonna cross that river. I'm gonna catch tomorrow now. He's you're not lying. You don't wanna hold me just like I always told you. You're gonna miss me when I'm gone. Nobody here will ever find me. 90. Wow. But I will always be around. Just like the songs I leave behind me I'm gonna live forever now Sounded like the moldy peaches <laughs> Except Perfect Wait, so do you think Connor Oberst is, has a little anti-folk? Because he kind of sings in the weird voice as well Well, they always call that alt-country Oh, okay so there's probably some, you know, crossover between those two. It all crosses over, definitely. I think he would maybe consider himself more of just an earnest folk artist. Consider Not to speak for him, but I'd like, I think he's more earnest folk than like, even though he's had some like punkier songs or like Desaparecidos, which, speaking of which, I looked it up, Enchiladas originated in Mexico with the Aztecs. Oh, wow. Okay. At Co least with the Aztecs. Co-opted then. Yep. By Texas. <laughs> All right, go ahead. All right. You fathers and you mothers, be good to one another. Please try to raise your children right. Raise your children right, baby. Don't let the darkness take them. Don't make Johnny. them feel forsaken. <laughs> Just lead them safely to the light. When this old world is blown asunder Asunder And all the stars fall from the Good sky word. Remember someone really loves you This should be the national anthem Just imagine how everyone's singing this I'm gonna live forever Wow, karaoke pick right here <laughs> I'm gonna catch tomorrow now I'm gonna live forever I'm going to cross that river. I'm going to catch tomorrow now. This could be like a good like sports anthem too. Yeah. 
It would also be good with like a techno beat beneath it. I'm gonna live forever. I'm gonna live forever. I'm gonna live forever. I'm gonna cross that river. I'm gonna catch tomorrow now. Jay Z should sample this. Yes. Jay Z sampled Regina Spector in 2009. I almost want to bust out into my first uh, freestyle. Oh, good thing it ended. I was going to do my first freestyle ever on the podcast over that instrumental. I can run it back. Well, I want to live forever. And oh, yeah, even in this weather, whether or not you agree, we'll see. All right. Sorry. All right. You want to take us home? I only got one more. I'm going into John Prine. Okay. All right. Obvious connection here. Moldy Peaches. Bruised orange. Nice. All right, I'll be the episode for that one. All right. This was a song that really stuck out to me and I feel like kind of talks about a lot of the things we've been talking about on this episode in a lot of weird ways that I'm not even going to connect. I'm going to let the listener connect it in their head. But this was a standout to me. It really got me going. Kind of sounds similar to that last song and I felt like a lot of Jeffrey Lewis's work was sort of a rendition of this, especially like the song we heard. This is Crooked Piece of Time. Things got rough, things got tough, things got harder than high. We were just trying to make a living in our backyard. Just trying to make a living. We were born to Anxiety's a terrible crime. Love that line. Funky bass. This would be a good sample too. Crooked piece of time. Yesterday morning, and the old wind came. Blew your picture right out of the picture. I feel like John Prine is one of those names that's being lost to the sands of time. Yeah. His name came up, I think, when I was looking into Bonnie Raitt. I believe it. Sounds like he knew everybody in that world. Oh, they sang Angel from Montgomery together. There you go. She said they started at the same time and in the folk music circles, she kept hearing stories about the singing mailman who had written these incredible songs. Nice. I didn't know he was a mailman. Maybe that was his energy. Damn. John Prine died of COVID. Oh, wow. In 2020. Died too soon. I saw a write-up in the Rolling Stone where the reviewer said 
no matter when you play it, Bruised Orange carries the chill of Midwest autumn beyond autobiography into a kind of personal pop mythology. Like which that. reminded me of something you might say. <laughs> I wrote that. What do you think of when you think of Midwest autumn? Since I didn't, I don't know what Midwest autumn is like. I never grew up oh, there. Oh, I was just talking to someone about this today. I'm really missing it. Do you think of? I just think of trees changing colors. Or is this a lead into your song? No, no, just question. I thought you were gonna be like, "Do you think of girls, girls, <laughs> girls, girls, girls all over the world, or girls I do adore?" Uh, I think of. Trees changing color. It's starting to get a little bit cold. Football's coming on. I'm not wearing cargo khaki shorts anymore. I'm wearing jeans and a long sleeve shirt underneath a t-shirt because that's what I used to do. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It's probably similar to New England. The like sunrise and sunset starts to change. Yeah. I mean, that happens in LA too. Like I was already noticing it's getting darker earlier and it's like, colder and overcast but it also just doesn't feel the same there is something about that midwest autumn yeah it's the best season by far yeah i agree it's it's up there but then it's the almost terror. better than summer because summers are so dang hot sometimes yeah and it's like a relief from summer but then the terror of winter coming in <laughs> yeah <laughs> so you're just like enjoy it enjoy it yeah um all right i'll take us home here we must have talked about this on a lost episode because I had a feeling that I had played this, but dude, that's how I feel about it. every song we play. Couldn't find it in my notes, so I thought I, I found this connection that was too good to pass up. So I guess on the Highwayman album that I played you, there was a keyboard player by the name Luis Resto who played on the album, who I had literally been like earlier that day reading about Renegade, which was produced by Eminem and Luis Resto. Huh. And so I was reading more about this Luis guy. He's a keyboard player from Detroit and he has the craziest range of like uh, albums that he's played on. He's done like Anita Baker, The Highwaymen we were just talking about. He's worked with Eminem. He's just like all over the musical map, uh, which I thought was super interesting. Great connection. Um, so, you know, he's I'm a web weaver. Renegade again, like I you had mentioned, love Eminem's verse. I found out it actually was an Eminem song, so that actually makes a lot more sense. Eminem, uh, it was supposed to be a Royce to 5'9", an Eminem song, but the label said that there couldn't be two Eminem collaboration songs for whatever reason, so they hmm. shelved that one in favor of a different one for for Royce's album. Wow. Um, so that makes a little more sense. Jay-Z was kind of hopping in the snake pit with Eminem, already having a, the song sort of conceptualized and written out, but... Just like Monster, probably. Yeah, exactly. And he's like, oh, Godzilla, uh, <laughs> King Kong. What do these all have in common? But He's not a web weaver. I love Eminem. We love him, though. Verse. I love him. He calls out the uh, hypocrites uh, about parenting. So a um, little more nuanced than the Highwaymen saying, raise your children right. Eminem, one of the greatest dads in music history. Yep. All right, launching in. It also very Eminem. It just beat. sounds like I an Eminem song, yeah, like all, out figured. of nowhere on this album. It's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Jay Z had no chance. Exactly. I think Jay Z has a good verse too. 
motherfuckers say that I'm foolish I only talk about Jews, do you fools listen to music or do you just skim through it? See I'm influenced by the ghetto you ruined The same dude you gave nothing, I made something doing What I do through and through and I give you the news With a twist is just his ghetto point of view The renegade you've been afraid I penetrate pop culture, bring him a lot closer to the block with a Jay-Z reminds me of someone who's probably incredibly disciplined. Yeah. And his music kind of has that vibe to it of like methodical. He's locked in. Yeah. Also, like, like, he just has so much charisma. Yeah. Which adds a lot, coupled with thoughtful lyrics locked in. Yep. Pop toasters, and they live with their moms, got drop roasters from botch robberies, niggas crotched over. Mommy's knocked up cause she wasn't watched over. Knocked down by some clown when child support knocked. No, he's not around. Now, how that sound till you jot it down? I bring you through the ghetto without riding around. Hiding down, ducking straights from frustrated youth stuck in their ways. Just read a magazine that fucked up my day. How you rate music that thugs with nothing relate to? That's what Lee said when he read the Rolling Stone article. Just read a magazine that fucked up my day. <laughs> I mean, his verse is not bad. No, it's good. Also, uh, Jay-Z, like, I feel like we didn't even talk about Brooklyn. We don't need to talk about it. Yeah. But he's from Bed-Stuy, right? Bringing the Nets back to Brooklyn. <laughs> I think he's from Bed-Stuy. I might be wrong about that. Okay. But I was there's, like, all the division between New York that I feel like people will really new and people in new york still know all that stuff but to me a lot of the times i just lump in like new york especially in 2023 as one big place yeah anyways can't step in my pants, can't walk in my shoes. Bet everything you worth, you lose your time, your shirt. Since I'm no. in a position to talk to these kids and they listen, I ain't no politician, but I'm no politician. Get with them a minute. Cause see, they call me a menace. And if the shoe fits, I wear it. But if it don't, then y'all will swallow the truth, grin and bear it. Now, who's the king of these rude, ludicrous, lucrative lyrics? Who could inherit the title? Put the youth in hysterics, using his music to steer it, sharing his views and his merits. But there's a huge interference. They're saying you shouldn't hear it. Maybe it's hatred I spew. Maybe it's food for the spirit. Maybe it's beautiful music I made for you to just cherish, but I'm debated. It's a bit of that lyrical miracle swimming pool. <laughs> totally. So I had this realization recently too that uh, that this sounds to kids today like I'll say it a hip hop, a hip to yeah. the hibbity. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where it's yeah. like cheesy, but to us, I think it will always, at least for me, like I will always gravitate towards this style more. Yeah. Than anything that's not. Lyrical miracle. <laughs> it is pretty incredible, though. I mean, that rhyme pattern he carries out through most of this verse. Yeah. Hated and viewed in America as a motherfucking drug addict. Like you didn't experiment. Nah, nah. That's when you start to stare at who's in the mirror and see yourself as a kid again. And you get embarrassed. Then I got nothing to do but make you look stupid as parents. You fucking do good. It's too bad you couldn't do good at marriage. And do you have any clue what I had to do to get here? I don't think you do. So stay tuned and keep your ears glued to the stereo. Cause here we go. He's chicken, chicken, chicken. I'm the sinister. Mr. Kiss my ass is just a renegade. Never been afraid to say what. On my mind at any given time of day Cause I'm a renegade Never been afraid to talk about Renegade, anything, very American value anything. Yeah That's how it all started Yeah Anything Anything, anything. anything.
I had to hustle my back to the wall, ashy knuckles, pockets filled with a lot of lint, not a cent, got a vent, lot of innocent lives lost on the project bench. What Almost did sticks renegade. We should do sticks next episode. Wait, what were you going to say? Uh, I don't know. Okay. I love that line though. Awkward, a box lefty. Oh, I was going to say it's funny. It's just a Jay-Z song where Eminem comes out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, they kind of don't work together in a weird... But they do. I feel like Jay-Z must like have the liked the, the challenge of it. Yeah. He seems like that kind of... Likes the challenge. Yeah. Eminem's back. <laughs> Latter-day Saints here. That'd be a great map mix. Cause I'm a motherfucker, motherfucking, motherfucker monster. Who, who talks about blood suckers? Is it Jay Z? Yeah. Or no, uh, is it Nikki? Someone talks about but uh, he does, but uh, Rick Ross opens with it too. Oh, okay, okay. I'm a monster, no good blood sucker, fat motherfucker. Now look who's in trouble. <laughs> And his whole verse is just that. And then he says, as you run through my jungles, all you hear is rumbles. Kanye West samples. Here's one for example. Nice. <laughs> so good. Rick Ross, another guy who's probably was really inspired by Jay-Z. Yeah, totally. I feel like we shat on Jay-Z a lot this episode, which, you know, you can't shit on Jay-Z. Out of ignorance, probably. Yeah. For myself. No, I think you were right. He's probably I mean, the you biggest, didn't really shit on him. He's probably the biggest rapper of that late 90s, early to mid 2000s. Yeah, definitely. Unless I'm probably forgetting someone. But There's anyways. T Tupac, Biggie are gone. Yeah, Jay-Z and Nas. I don't even think I mean, Nas obviously was there's able a lot. to follow it up enough. He had the one. Obviously, there's albums. a lot of other people. Okay. Thanks for listening.